Okay, turn to page 45 and hold the page. Following his impressive introduction, John set his gospel in historical context by linking the beginning of Jesus' ministry with that of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had begun a preaching and baptizing, had begun preaching and baptizing, and even gathering disciples. He identified the one <coughs> sent from God to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as we see in John chapter 1, 29. As some uh, setting uh, that we want to keep in mind as we go into this session on <coughs> share Christ. And isn't that what we're here for? Are we here for something else other than sharing Christ? How are others supposed to know who Christ is and what he is like if those who have a relationship with him don't share him? I saw a cartoon uh, somewhere. I can't remember where it said. Someone asks uh, this fellow sitting on uh, on the side of the street um, if he what was it he said if he had a relationship with Christ and he said he didn't know who Christ was and uh, that's something that we are supposed to be challenged to do right share the gospel with Christ tell others who don't know him. Okay, the first question. When have you needed courage to introduce yourself to someone? Can anybody remember an occasion when they needed courage to introduce themselves to someone? Someone who probably uh, was intimidating? Anybody ever an intimidating person? A person who Intimidate you? <coughs> Nobody? Being in what kind of business? Tourism. Okay. Um, fear is eliminated from you, as who you are. Because you look at it in one way, you are my guest. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I will greet you with a smile and welcome you regardless of whoever you are. Within three minutes, I can find out exactly what I want to find out from you. So mm -hmm. I'm the IQ. And I move it on from there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can start a conversation with And that is the way how, how it worked for me. I'm not saying it went like that to everybody, but that is what it went to me. Regardless of whoever you are, mm -hmm. fear is eliminating. Because if you show fear, then you can't get no place. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's look at Bible Me's Life, page 46. <laughs> Someone want to read that, please? A casual introduction can often turn into something far greater. Ivan Vaughn introduced Paul McCartney, a friend from school, to another friend, John Lennon. Those two later would form the Beatles and change the world of music. Oh, you see, folks. 
All good? AC just cut out. Go ahead, continue. Bill Fernandez introduced his friend Steve Wozniak to another friend, Steve Jobs. They eventually gave us Apple. We know this on a personal level as well. Many of us were casually introduced at a social event or other occasion to the person who later became our spouse. A wise man once observed that who you become depends a lot on three things. The people you meet, the places you go, and the books you read. I think this is solid advice, but let's consider the role we play in helping other people meet Christ. Because a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. In the Gospel of John, we're introduced to some men who met Jesus of Nazareth. They, in turn, introduced others to him. And each of these seemingly casual introductions ended up changing a life. Okay. Interesting, isn't it? How uh, one person met another and... and uh it changed the world in such a way uh, that we know the world based on the relationships those persons had. Uh, we uh, think of Steve Jobs and Wozniak, and today Apple is one of the biggest things in the world in terms of technology and, and phones, mobile phones, cell phones. What is the point? You have a responsibility We have a responsibility to do what? Introduce our friends to Jesus. And uh, normally when we have a interesting encounter with someone, we would want to share that. Uh, you meet a, you have an interesting interaction with someone and you have a, a friend and you say, boy, let me tell you about this situation that I had or this person that I, that I met. And that's how it ought to be with regards to our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we think about all that Jesus has done for us and how he has changed our lives and how he's answered prayer, that's something that we should be excited about to the point where we would want to share that with our friends, right? Yeah, open the door so we can get some wind in here somehow. Lord, breathe on us today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Okay, seek a personal encounter with Jesus. Let's look at uh, the first uh, passage we have here. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 35. If we have someone read that, please, on page 47. John was standing with the two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and, come and you see, replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Okay. Now notice uh, verses 35, verses 35 to 37 talks about an encounter with Jesus. John the Baptist understood his calling. What was his calling? To prepare the way for the Messiah. He understood that clearly. And that's what he was doing. 
His preaching emphasized the coming judgment, the need for repentance, and the coming Messiah. Three things. The coming judgment, the need for repentance, and the coming Messiah. Is that three things that we can challenge people with today? Everybody's thinking that there's a judgment day, right? Uh, you could open it again. <laughs> everybody talk, knows, everybody that you, anybody that you run into can tell you there's a judgment day coming, right? People are aware of that. There is a judgment day coming. And, uh, and then many people, when they look at the crime situation and the state of the country, they will, they will make a statement, boy, people need to repent. So everybody knows there's, there's a need for repentance, right? Uh, and then also, what is common to a lot of people is that Jesus is coming back one day. So everybody knows these major three things. Everybody, no matter who you run into on the street, they can tell you that they know or they've heard or they have some knowledge of these three things. One day John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples. One later identified as Andrew, as we'll see in, in, uh, in, in verse 40. Having become convinced that their religious activities and heritage lacked the power to atone for their sins, they attached themselves to John as one of his disciples. When John saw Jesus passing by, John willingly pointed, to the, two, pointed the two disciples to Jesus. Normally, a teacher trained his disciples to go out and teach others. John modeled a true servant heart, true servant's heart because he showed none of the normal human tendency to make a name for himself. And that's why he pointed out Jesus by calling out, look, the Lamb of God. John issued a clarion call for Andrew and all of the other disciples, perhaps John, the brother of James, to follow Jesus, not him. For months, he prepared the way for the Messiah by connecting him to the sacrificial system. So when these two disciples heard John clearly identify the Messiah, that was all they needed to know. They immediately determined to follow Jesus, not John. The word followed, Greek tense of a once for all act, met these two ready to make a commitment to Jesus, not to John. They turned their allegiance from John to Jesus and walked with Jesus in a literal way. Eventually, they walked with him in a sacrificial way as well. And then when we look at verse 38, we notice that knowing someone had begun to follow him, Jesus turned around and confronted them. And he said to them, what are you looking for? The question dramatically formed Jesus' first recorded words in this gospel. Given the way John the Baptist had introduced these two followers to Jesus, they were literally so awestruck they could not speak. Ever had a situation like that? We are rendered speechless? That was his disciples. Jesus' question broke the ice for them. The Lord certainly did not ask Andrew and John what they were seeking because he lacked information. Rather, his question forced them to consider why they were following him. He wanted to know and he wanted them to make a statement uh, concerning why they were following him. Let's read the, the paragraphs beneath the verse there on page 47. 
Go ahead. Yeah, in Jesus' day. Just beneath the John 31, 35, 39 verses on page 47. In Jesus' day, to someone's disciple meant you went where he went, slept where he slept, ate what he ate, and did everything you could to emulate him. John the Baptist had disciples like this, including Andrew and another unnamed man. See John 10, 140. So it certainly caught their attention when their mentor and role model said, Look, the Lamb of God. John had been proclaiming the coming of the Messiah for a long time. So his followers knew enough to know they wanted to meet Jesus and follow him. They chose to be the Lord's disciples. We know this because they followed Jesus and asked him, where are you staying? For they were ready to go where he went, sleep where he slept, and eat what he ate. It was common of rabbis to quiz potential disciples to see if they were worthy, not Jesus. He only asked, what are you looking for? The two men called Jesus Rabbi, which means teacher, and asked where he was staying. Jesus' invitation was both simple and profound. Come and you will see. What a beautiful picture of Jesus' love for people. He is always available to those who seek him. We tend to fill our lives with activities and schedules. Jesus stayed busy too. He was always in interruptible. <laughs> he remains accessible today for all who will, who are willing to come and see him. Okay, let's look at that, that second question there on page 40. Uh, how did Jesus, page 47, how did Jesus first catch your attention? How did Jesus first catch your attention? The reason why he came on the earth to die for us. The reason why he came? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, the book from our book. Anybody else? How did Jesus first catch your attention? Um, for Was me, it's like some things that happen, you know it, it isn't, it couldn't be any other way. It had to be Jesus. It had to be him because okay. it's like, you know how this thing work out like this? Um, so it could only be God. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Jesus first got my attention. Um, when I was a child back in Long Island, mm -hmm. to see that missionaries came from the Midwest United States, uh, Michigan and Ohio, to um, live and be with us um, in the Bahamas and to teach us as children who Jesus really was, who God really was. Okay. Um, I, he, got my attention as a child, as a very young child. Mm -hmm. And throughout my life, the truth of who he is 
um, remained with me even throughout the years that I was in university in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, he has been there and constantly the same, unchanging. Okay. Uh, so he got my attention as a child. All right. Anybody else? She's got my attention to a Christian family in my neighborhood. All right. They befriended me. I was a I was a introvert. Didn't bother with anybody else. And they came and they told me about Jesus. And eventually, I wasn't led to the Lord by any of them, but by another young man who was a part of the the church that they attended. And so uh, he really did get my attention through that family and the way they live and their parents and the way their parents uh, raised them and, uh, and committed that they know and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, um, the paragraph on page 47, there's one paragraph there, uh, the, the final two paragraphs. It says, it was, a common, it was common for rabbis to quiz potential disciples to see if they were worthy, not Jesus. He only asked, what are you looking for? The two men called Jesus rabbi, which means teacher, and asked where he was staying. Jesus' invitation was both simple and profound. Come and you'll see. What a beautiful picture of Jesus' love for people. He was always available to those who seek him. We tend to fill our lives with activities and schedules. Jesus stayed busy too, but he was always interruptible. He remains accessible today for all who are willing to come and see him. And that's one of the things we need to remember that Jesus is always interruptible. Sometimes people have a tendency to think, oh, but there's so many problems going on in the world. Jesus don't have no time for me. He is always interruptible. He's never too busy to deal with you or to individuals that you bring to him because you want them to meet him. Okay, having found the Messiah, it's interesting to note that Andrew, what Andrew did next, we can see for ourselves in verses 40 to 45. Let's look at 40 to 45 on page 48. Someone want to read those verses, please? And followed him. He first found him, found his own brother Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus when Jesus was, saw him. He said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsheba, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the Lord. And so did the prophets. So did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Okay, look at question number three. 
What can we learn from Andrew and Philip's response to following Jesus? What can we learn from their response? Okay. Obedience. Okay. Humility. They told other people about Jesus right away. Okay. They spread the word. They told others about Jesus. We we have found the Messiah. Uh, and so, what should we do when we meet somebody uh, and we want to share the Christ with them? We think of our own experience. We think of our encounter and what was accomplished, what we benefited from in terms of our encounter with Jesus, and we would want others to experience that same thing. If it's good, you want to share it, right? And so they found the Messiah, which everybody was looking for or waiting for, and they shared him. Okay, let's read the paragraphs. Read the paragraphs beneath that verse now. Anybody, go ahead. Evangelism makes a lot of believers nervous. We know sharing the gospel with others is important, yet we're frightened by the prospect of actually doing it. But notice how naturally and quickly Andrew told his brother Simon, we know him best as Peter, about Jesus. As Jewish men, they long for the coming of the Messiah, the promised Savior. So it's easy to imagine Andrew brimming with excitement as he announced the good news that Jesus was in fact the Messiah they sought. Andrew's influence led Simon to his own encounter with Jesus, which was trans transformational. Jesus even changed Simon's name to reflect who he would ultimately become. You are Simon's son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus eventually gave Simon a nickname that means rock. Peter may have been rash and impulsive, but under the leadership and lordship of Christ, he would become a leader, solid as a rock. The following day, Jesus traveled to Galilee, where he met Philip. Notice there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach for people to come to faith in Christ. Some people, like Andrew, need to hear a testimony Look, the Lamb of God, verse 36. Okay, go over on to page 50. Others, like Philip, need a more direct approach. Follow me. Jesus took different approaches with different people, and so should we. Philip received an invitation from Jesus to follow him, and he naturally passed that invitation onward by telling Nathaniel the good news as well. Philip's message was a bit more descriptive. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Andrew and Philip model evangelism for us simply by sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Do you want to tell someone about Jesus? Tell them the good news you found in knowing and following Christ. Okay, look at the third paragraph there. It says, Andrew and Philip modeled evangelism for who? Us. For who? Us. For us. So we have a model already set for us. He modeled evangelism by simply sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Do you want to tell someone about Jesus? Tell them the good news you found in knowing and following Christ. When I was uh, uh, involved in youth work, 
We used to um, uh, take the young people out after youth meeting to McDonald's uh, downtown. And one time we took a, a busload of kids out uh, downtown. We were parked and a couple of us leaders were, were sitting in the van and some of the young people went into McDonald's. And this guy came back and he said he met a person, a fellow that he knew a long time ago and he was trying to share Christ with him, but he wouldn't listen. He couldn't get his attention. And so a couple of leaders in the told him, gave him some advice, told him what to do and what to say and so forth. So he went back and, and he came back kind of frustrated. He said, he still wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. And so he said, he said, just be calm, be calm, just do this, do that, do that. So he went back and then he came back and he came back dragging the person with him. Yeah. He said, you see him yet? You tell him. <laughs> so he was, he was really enthusiastic and excited about uh, reaching this young person for Christ. <laughs> and you could do that too. <laughs> you know, if you talk to the person, they wouldn't listen. Then take them to somebody who you think could get the message across a little, a little clearer. But you've done your part in sharing the gospel with them. And like Andrew and Peter, they brought people to Jesus. You know, they probably didn't feel that they could do what, what Jesus could do. And so they brought, they brought the individuals to him. Okay, we have an activity here um, on page... Page 49, uh, Picturing Evangelism. Which of the following images best represents the practice of evangelism in your mind? Which one in your mind represents the best uh, practice of evangelism? We have a siren there. Uh, we have a lunch. That's a steak and potatoes. Uh, what else? It, uh, we have a welcome mat. And what is this other image? A tube? Life preserver. Okay, okay. Which one of those do you think represent the best practice for evangelism in your mind? The lunch? Okay. The welcome mat? Who all say the lunch? Show hands for lunch. One, two, give me your hands up. One, two, three. Okay. Three for lunch. Oh, that's four. Who else are the welcome man? One, two, three, four. He died. Okay, what about the, the, uh, the buoy? The life preserver. Okay, one, two, three. I think the life preserver got it. Anybody with the siren? No, I think the life preserver got it. Um, but I think, uh, in my mind, it's the, it's the food. People are always attracted by food. And, uh, and all the ministries that I've been in, food was used to get people to hear the gospel. I went up to uh, Pacific Garden Mission uh, one time and um, went down in the basement and they had 300 men in that. Ever heard of a 300 men choir? Wow. Heaven opened up and the glory of the Lord came down. 300 men. And then after the service, they took them down and they fed them. But they came for the food. <laughs> yeah, they came for the food. Right, right. You know, it's the food. So in my mind, in my mind is the food. You're always going to get people with the food. Yeah, they, don't, they want the food. Okay. Uh, oh, Brother Randy, uh -huh. someone sent, uh, a couple people sent on WhatsApp yesterday in a couple of groups uh, a short video clip of a lady who was a Christian, and she was at a gathering in Texas at the capital of a Muslim, let's call it Muslim Appreciation 
capital day. And the ladies, the Muslim lady that was going to speak was right there and said about one statement. And this Christian woman now came forward to the mic and took it from her. And she boldly spoke out, saying, uh, you know, the United States will never be um, whatever by Muslim. Muslim, yeah. Yeah, and she just, I, I applaud her for her bravery. She made a couple of statements. She wasn't torn away. She left, and they wanted her to. And then, you know, she said a few more things from a distance. But Muhammad is, a, is dead. So, yeah, yeah I, I remember yeah. hearing that. Like, uh, Juliana sent me that clip. Yes. I was wondering where she got it from. <laughs> yeah, she sent me that clip it's yesterday. It's Fox 7 yes. News. It's Fox, okay. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was really bold. Yes. You know, and more Christians need to do that. Right. You know, uh, letting the Muslims get away with they they spreading their propaganda and talking yeah. about their dead dead um, yeah, dead leader. Why can't we talk about a leader who's alive and who's alive forevermore? You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are we next? Okay, let's look at the other uh, pastors. Boy, it's getting hot in here. We need to wrap this up. Um, I don't usually sweat, and I'm sweating. Okay, let's look at the next passage uh, so that we can wrap this up. That's uh, on page 50, uh, John 1, 46 to 49. Someone read that, please. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that now. While Andrew, Peter, Philip, immediate, Peter and Philip immediately began to follow Jesus, Nathaniel was more hesitant. We don't know if Nathaniel's attitude reflected a rivalry between his hometown of Cana, according to uh, see John 21.2, and Nazareth, or a general perception that Nazareth was the wrong side of the tracks. Lots of people today uh, love to argue against Jesus' claims. When we encounter such people, we'll do well to follow the example of Philip, stating, starting with two things Philip did not do. What were the two things he did not do? Philip did not take Nathaniel's skepticism as a personal offense. People who doubt Jesus aren't always doubting as well, doubting us as well. They may simply be honest about their experiences. And then secondly, Philip did not get into an intellectual argument with Nathaniel. Instead, Philip simply repeated what Jesus had said earlier, come and see for yourself. Philip gave us a great example by simply keeping the focus on Jesus. This approach calls for patience with those who are hesitant, doubtful, or even unkind when they hear the good news. Their pre-existing view of reality can hinder them from seeing the joy of salvation in Christ. What must graciously help them see beyond their blind spots 
we must graciously help them see beyond their blind spots so they can find Jesus. Nathaniel responded to Philip's invitation. Though he remained skeptical, Jesus responded to that skepticism by telling Nathaniel, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. For rabbis and their students, a fig tree was considered a place of prayer and meditation on the law, a place of devotion. That's how Jesus identified Nathaniel as a sincere Jew with no deceit. This was a supernatural insight from Jesus and it grabbed Nathaniel's attention. More than that, it blew away his doubts. Philip had challenged Nathaniel to come and see, to check out Jesus for himself. Nathaniel did, and he was changed. He became a disciple. Simon, Philip, and Nathaniel think about what a difference was made in their lives and the world because of a simple invitation. How much difference can we make in people's lives today with that same invitation? Come and see. Okay, question number four. What are some ways we can respond when others express doubts about Jesus? Anybody? I do like the young fella in the McDonald's that grabbed him and bring him. <laughs> right? Come and see for yourself. Come and see. Talk about your own experience. Talk about your own experience. That's a good one. Okay, people more more attracted to a person who's experienced it than who's just speak, uh, speaking theoretically. They want to know somebody who's been through this. Good point. Anybody else? Um, like you could probably tell them about what happened, like for everyone, like with this storm or mom. Mm -hmm. Or kin, you know, I mean, how could that go to the left of us like that? That could only be God. Mm -hmm. So maybe try to explain to them from experiences everyone has too. Okay. Because I mean, how would you explain that I was a five and I was coming straight through the promise? So meteorologists aren't telling you anything else except as a five and it's coming straight. Well, they were, they were uncertain. They couldn't predict so how anything. Could anybody, how, how could that happen any other way? That's right. God? So That's right. Okay, let's look at uh, next last question. How can we make sure our group is a place where others come, where others, a place for others to come to Christ Jesus? Invite them. Invite them. Okay, perhaps there's somebody you've been talking to for a while and you couldn't get across to them. Invite them to Sunday school. You know, let them come and see for themselves. Okay, last point as we uh, focus on what we're going to do with this lesson now. Uh, the point is, we have a responsibility to do what? Introduce. introduce our friends to Jesus. Just like we introduce an, someone we met who's exciting and interesting, Jesus is just even more so. Okay, page 52. How do we put this into marching orders? How will we invite others to come, come and see Jesus this week? Consider these suggestions. Pray. Always pray. If you've never talked about Jesus with someone else, begin with prayer. Who do you know who's without Christ? Pray for that person. Pray for the opportunity to talk and pray for boldness. So what are you going to pray for? 
Three things, right? You're going to pray for the person, for the opportunity, and boldness. And when you pray for the person, we have to pray that their eyes of understanding will Would be open. Right. It's right. only God who can unblind the eyes of those who've been blinded by the prince of the darkness of this world. Yes. So we have to pray that God would open up their understanding. Right. Remember, we can't save anybody. Only Jesus could do that. Okay, so you need prayer. Some people feel like free ain't no good. Mm -hmm. So this free gift and everything, they can't get around that in their mind that, okay, this is a free salvation, is a free gift. That's why so it's so important. Free ain't no good to them. That's why it's important for you to pray for them. Right. I know, but I'm saying some people can't get around that. They yeah. think free is no good. Yeah. I'm always praying for my, so, for my brother for a few years now. And out of the blue, he asked me for Bible. I'm so excited. See, I have there you go. I had a meeting and I took it there. It was in a funny mm -hmm. area, but I said, you know what? He asked for this and let me take it. Okay. So and that Bible will probably be the catalyst that turns his life around. I would feel so guilty if I don't. Sometimes when you hit rock bottom, that's all you can do is try and find the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out what to do next. Okay. Point number two invite. Invite others to come and see. By inviting them to join you in your Bible study group, Bible study is a great way for individuals to see what God's Word says about Jesus. Okay, so if you can't get across to them, invite them, bring them. And then tell. Tell others about Jesus is, telling others about Jesus is as simple as telling how you met him and what he has done in your life. Share with others your own encounter with Jesus and how he changed your life. There's nothing like a personal experience. I've been through this, this is what happened to me, and this is where I'm at now, and you can have the same experience or even a greater one. But your experience would be unique to you. Don't expect your experience to be like my experience. Yes. God is awesome in so many ways. Okay, someone introduced you to Jesus. Someone took the time to share the good news with you and help you. Come and see what, Jesus, what Christ was all about. Now it's time for you to do the same. Amen? Okay, we've got our marching orders, right? Come and do the same.